Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose and if you ever saw it you would even say welcome pewter report readers viewers and listeners to a brand new edition of the pewter report podcast energized by celsius it is a thursday edition of the show the last show of the week and one of the last podcasts before the start of training camp which of course begins on wednesday but before we get to that there has been a ton of new information from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, uh, a lot in the last like 15 hours or so, I would say, where um, last night, right in the middle of the ESPYs, the Bucks signed veteran free agent tight end Kyle Rudolph. And then just hours later, in the next morning, a report came out from Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times that rookie tight end Kate Otten has been cleared to go for training camp. So we will talk all about that on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera, and joined with me is also from pewterreport.com, Casey Hudson. Casey, hey. we always know you're extremely busy. But how's life right now? <laughs> I'm waiting to have different answers. Last week, somebody was like always on vacation. I'm like, bro, I'm never on vacation. I'm just always on the move, but I'm good. Life's good. Just be in case. Just be in case. I like that. It might be a, a new mantra of the, the show. Like, all right. <laughs> the simplest just version. Be, yeah. The simplest thing. Mm-hmm. Let's get right into it, Casey. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph, we've obviously, you know, we, we did a show in the past where we were talking about, you know, potential tight ends that will, you know, potentially join this team. Kyle Rudolph was one of them. We also talked about Eric Ebron and Jared Cook and Blake Jarwin, other players such as that. But it ended up being Kyle Rudolph. And so there's a lot of questions that we can get into. But one of them, of course, is just what his fit will be in this offense and where he kind of ranks on the depth chart. So I'll ask you first, Casey, just what was your overall initial reaction when uh, this move was made last night? You know, honestly, when the tight end conversation started taking place, and like you said, uh, we've all kind of dove into it quite a bit over the past few weeks. The reality of it is that it was heavily leaning towards Rudolph almost out of all the guys. If you, if you really thought about it, Um, I don't dislike the pick whatsoever. I, like I said, it was more realistic. Um, You're looking at another six, six target, 265 pounds. Now, you know, one year younger than Gronk, one tenth slower than Gronk. So no, he's not a Gronk caliber tight end, but as for price and, you know, size and stuff. He's a, he's a good option for the Bucks offense. And just to put into perspective, Kyle Rudolph has had maybe two pretty immaculate seasons in his entire 11 season career, if you will. Yeah. And he's never had a Tom Brady. So I'm not that person who's ever been like, everything revolves around Tom Brady. But the reality of it is that these athletes, when they come in, each player has said it on the on the Tampa Bay Bucks that you just kind of rise to another level. So am I excited to see what Tom Brady effect on Kyle Rudolph can be? Absolutely. The guy is 6'6", he's 265, he knows how to receive, he's decent at blocking, he's had two pretty amazing seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. He was very unproductive last season with the Giants, so I'm sure he's looking to kind of reinvent himself and what better team and quarterback to do that with than the Bucks. Absolutely. I do want to talk about his time with the Giants, because as people listening and watching might know, 
Uh, I did grow up in New York. I grew up a Jets fan, though. I hated the Giants. It's not but obvious. At least grow. Yeah, the Mets it's grow out every week. Is yeah, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, obviously, we we cover the Bucks. We're watching Tampa Bay every single week, dialed in with, with multiple things. So, um, as awesome as that is, sometimes you don't always get to see literally everything else that's going on in the league. You know, there's only so much time that you that you have in the week. But because mm -hmm. of where I grew up, you know, some of my buddies from back home are Giants fans. So as soon as the, uh, you know, the, the news came about today, I was talking to some of them, just getting mm -hmm. their insight, you know, they're, they're watching them. So I, I do want to get to that at some point. But you did mention, like, the quarterbacks that Kyle Rudolph has played with. I mean, no one pales in comparison to Tom Brady, but it's like his other best quarterback really was Kirk Cousins. So that's really saying a lot. Oh, and yeah. That, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I wasn't saying anything. I was just agreeing. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I got excited um, for some reason. And that's there are multiple benefits of having Tom Brady. And one of them is the fact that people want to play with him. People want to, yeah. you know, come in and, and see what it's like playing with one of the, the well, the greatest quarterback of all time, especially for a player such as Rudolph, who has had success in the league, but Never made it to a Super Bowl. The, the Vikings, obviously, they've made a couple of playoff runs, but never really made too much noise uh, going in there. And then goes to the Giants last season. And I, I don't even know how much of an indictment it, it was on Rudolph as it was just the entire New York Giants roster because that just wasn't a good team and they have to figure out their quarterback situation with Daniel Jones. So I, I think overall it's good that they brought in a veteran tight end. I think they absolutely needed to do that just based on who they had on the roster right now. And I'm not expecting Rudolph to be, you know, crop 2.0 that that would be idiotic to say, but I do think that this will help him, you know, older people go to Florida anyway, but now you're going to Florida <laughs> and you're playing with the greatest of all time. I think it could rejuvenate him a little bit. I'm not saying He's going to be, you know, third on the team in receiving yards and second on the team in touchdowns. But right. I think he could provide a little bit to this team that maybe we haven't seen from Rudolph over the past couple of years because of everyone around him. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Tampa clearly has a spark. There's just something. Maybe it's the fact that they can breathe a little easier. I don't know what it is. I mean, people have seen a whole different side of Tom Brady since joining the, the Bucks. Um, I mean, Gronk's always been Gronk, but still, you know, he did quite well. So there's a Tampa Bay effect. I'm going to stand firmly in that, but I agree. I think coming here at 32 years old, he's definitely not impressed with what he did with the Giants last season. And, you know, Minnesota was on a bit of a, a, a tear where they started gradually progressing. They were, you know, sitting top of their division for a minute there and then things fell apart. But in terms of the time that Minnesota was really producing, and the only reason I keep touching back to that is because, like I said, the, his season with the Giants, he he didn't even break 300 yards. He had one touchdown. He wasn't even looked at, very very little considered in the system. But in 2016 and 2017, 2016 was his best season. He's never broken 1,000 yards, but he's gotten quite close. Um, he ranked for seven touchdowns in 2016, eight touchdowns in 2017. In 2017, the top target for the Minnesota Vikings was Adam Thielen with over 1,200 yards. Now, depending on who your quarterback is, they can either spread the ball around many offensive weapons or they kind of lock into their key guy. And if I 
I just happened to have watched a lot of Vikings football uh, at that time really? and <laughs> happened to yeah. at that time. And if, if Thielen was open, it was going to Thielen. And that was the bottom line. That was the end of it. And they of course were heavily trying to get Dalvin cook involved when he was healthy. So Kyle Rudolph was the red zone guy. Kyle Rudolph was the underneath guy. He hasn't had a system where you have a quarterback that's really going to equally or try to equally distribute that ball across multiple weapons. So the exciting part with this is that not only it being Tom Brady, but it being somebody who's really going to look for that guy in that moment. And you guys have to think about it. You know, would you trust Kyle Rudolph in a, situ- in a, in a particular situation or is it going to come down to Cameron Brady? And Kyle Rudolph has been in a lot more high pressure positions between the seasons of 2016 to 2018 with the Vikings. I hear you. And that's a good point there. It, it does become a little bit interesting. I'm very curious to watch the Bucks offense this season for multiple reasons, of course. Yes. But let's remember the type of offense that the Bucks had with Bruce, who again, no longer the coach, but Byron Leftwich, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, before Brady and Gronk got there, and you can kind of chart this back to their Arizona days as well in their first year here with the Bucks in 2019, it wasn't predominantly tight end heavy. Now, of course, that's different when you bring in Brady and Gronk, and they are two of the greatest players at their position, but also playing together for so long. They have yeah. all that chemistry and, and everything like that. So Gronk was a big part of the offense, especially last season. I think in 2020... It definitely took him a lot of time to to get it rolling, but he had a whole year yeah. off. And I think last year you really saw – and the, the postseason in 2020 and then into 2021 up until Gronk's injury, you really saw the benefit of, of how great Gronk could be. But Gronk's not here anymore, so we don't have to spend all that time on it. But the point I'm trying to make is that there was not a ton of usage in terms of just actually receiving the ball and going down the field at the tight end position. Obviously, Cam Brate being a receiving type of tight end, we'll see how much he's utilized in the passing game and who's going to be that blocking tight end. Or are they really going to mix and match with Kyle Rudolph now in here and um, and Kate Otten? Those are more question marks that we'll probably get an answer, I would imagine, by the time the preseason is done. But on today, Thursday, July 21st, we can't totally give you that answer. But it is intriguing just the usage of the tight end position from the Bucks from the 2019 season compared to the last two years. I think it's going to be vastly different. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I think you made a great point there. You're not going to bring in a Rob Gronkowski and not utilize him, especially to the ability that you watched him produce in, in New England. So, and I mean, again, that circles back to the whole some of the people that are like, why Rudolph or asking why it wasn't Ebron or Cook or anything else. Yeah. Kyle Rudolph probably is one of the better blockers out of that, like out of the free agent tight ends as a whole, number one, number two, um, he doesn't have massive amount of drop under his belt and his frame. It just really comes down to the fact that this is a six, six, two sixty five guy. And I think he would be, you know, a good mentor for a guy like, uh, Kaden on who yeah. six, five two forty seven needs to put on some muscle needs to work on his strength and stuff. So, you know, it balances out in many ways and, I just think that this system, these coaches, and this quarterback can maybe just kind of revive him, like you said, just give him a different opportunity in his career. Um, and it just kind of makes you think, too, like what would Gronk's stats be if he didn't have Tom Brady as his quarterback for basically his entire career, his whole career, right? I so- have one. Yeah, I have wondered that before. Like what if Gronk played with 
another quarterback for like a long period of time. Of course, he caught yeah. a touchdown pass from Blaine Gabbert. Let's not let's not forget about that. We we have to put in at least one Blaine Gabbert reference on the show. But yeah, Gronk's entire career was with Tom Brady. Um, you mentioned the frame of Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. The tight end position, it's going to be big guys anyways. That means like they're working out, they're lifting, probably having a lot of protein. Uh, if you want a good protein bar, the best one to have is the Fast Brand Protein Bar, which, of course, is a product of Celsius, which is the main sponsor of our uh, podcast here, the Peter Report Podcast. And these Fast Brand Bars are delicious. They taste like candy bars. You got the uh, white chocolate cookies and cream and, of course, the peanut caramel crunch. 20 grams of protein. So we're talking about a lot of protein packed into those bars. They're a great substitute uh, in the case of you forget to have breakfast and you're in a rush. Just have one real quick. You'll be good to go until lunchtime. You want to work out, but you don't want to have too full of a stomach. Bam. Have that Celsius fast brand bar. Also a great substitute for dessert as well. Don't have that ice cream. Just have the fast brand bar or heat it up a little bit. Put it in your ice cream and just make your dessert experience that much better. Make sure you go to Amazon.com and order the Fast Brand Bars. You can set them up for uh, every two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want. But uh, you are getting a fantastic bar that doesn't crumble in your hands like other ones. And you can take it on the go anywhere you need to be. So that's Celsius Fast Brands. And I'll show everyone the bars that I got here, the white chocolate cookies and cream, and the salted peanut Brunch. So make sure you go and get them. They absolutely are delicious. I, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the last season that Kyle Rudolph had. And you mm-hmm. mentioned some of the stats before. Um, he played in 16 games, so he played in all but one game, had 26 receptions for 257 yards and one touchdown. So as I mentioned before, I reached out to a couple of my friends that were um, that, that are Giants fans and watch every single game. So Want to give a shout out to my buddy George Sinecore and my buddy as well, Kevin Gallo. Appreciate you guys for the insight. I miss you guys. Hope to see you soon. Um, they said he was coming off an injury when he played with the Giants last year. So he did look a little slow. I feel like he was signed to be a red zone threat, but the Giants were barely productive in the red zone. Uh, pretty sure he was also signed to be a blocking tight end since Evan Ingram, the other tight end of the Giants, is underwhelming at that. So kind of brought in a little bit to Small. do both. Uh, another response was um, he's definitely still a red zone threat, no matter how washed up he might be. So he thinks he's a little washed up. Remains to be seen. We'll see for training camp. Mm-hmm. His best years are definitely behind him with the Vikings, but Giants fans are mostly just happy that they didn't have to see Stonehands Ingram at tight end anymore. So a lot of <laughs> a lot of Evan Ingram. A lot hate. of digs at Ingram. Yeah, yeah. They weren't uh, they weren't too happy with him. But I think I like it your is friends a, because that Ingram's not a real tight end. I don't even yeah. know why. It's, yeah, he's more of that like receiving type of, of tight no, end. No, it's a garbage new hybrid tight end that came out in like 2018. Stop yeah. it. Tight ends are big guys that are versatile. They block, they catch, and then whatever. But I've had that. I've, I've gone to nauseam saying that to John. I've heard on every <laughs> podcast that I got a chance to do so. So, yeah. Yeah, but it is interesting, especially the point, too, that um, so he had a foot injury his last year in Minnesota. So mm-hmm. in 2020, uh, 2020, 2020, um, where he was out, I think he got injured in week 13. So he missed like the rest of that season. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to point out that he was maybe a little bit slower to begin the year. And then I think my friends make a great point. Just the the Giants were abysmal 
like across the board on offense. Like they need to figure out what's going on with Daniel Jones. Obviously Saquon got hurt a lot and um, still trying to work out things with like Kadarius Tony, one of their, you know, weapon type of offensive players that could do a little bit of everything. So Rudolph as, as a red zone guy, that's intriguing, but also that's the uh, camp rates here. <laughs> so I think camp rates going to do a lot of that, but the fact that he was out there for the blocking plays is where we're going to see a little bit more of Rudolph. Because if Brate's in the game, it does seem like, oh, okay, maybe they're more inclined to pass here because that's what Cam Brate does. But right. you get to that goal line situation, all right, line up Brate and Rudolph and, and see what you, you can get from there. I just like the fact that Rudolph, and this is why I kind of preferred him, even though he went to Notre Dame, and I, I'm not a fan of that school. <laughs> um, just in terms of the well-rounded tight end, being able to do a little bit of both, maybe not fantastic, especially at this point of his career, but the more leveled out, evened out type of tight end doing both and not just specializing in one, I think is exactly what Tampa Bay was looking for. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good enough situation. Like, I would say Bucks fans have a reason to be happy that it's not going to come down to Cameron Bright all the time and then, like, you know, the rookies really pulling it together rapidly. Um is he the best catcher out there? No. Is he a massive dropper? No. Does he have stability and, and sturdiness in his hands when he does get a hold of the ball? Yeah. And it all comes back to the fact that we're talking about a guy who was, you know, <laughs> 11 seasons and 475 receptions. He wasn't really yeah. heavily relied on. So we can really pick apart how good he is or is not, but this is somebody whose opportunities have been, I don't want to say limited a couple seasons where they really gave it to him. And I think he did well with those opportunities. I broke down the stats a little bit earlier. So if he can, you know, if he comes in healthy, comes in motivated, which I'm sure he will. Um, I think your friends made a great point as to the red zone portion of it. He has been reliable in the red zone. If there's a consistency that Kyle Rudolph has had, it's been, his ability to show up for his team in the red zone. And when it comes down to it, that's where you really want your player is getting you touchdown and, and loading up the scoreboard for you. So they're going to be able to have a, a nice little touch and go between him and Cameron Bright, I believe. Um, yeah. Especially those plays where they are going to have to pull in Rudolph to, to block, but then they can alleviate Bright to catch. And I think that it can give them some creative opportunities on the field and, and plays and stuff. But it's going to come back to the fact that he's a veteran presence playing under a guy who's all about having a veteran presence on his team and what he can teach and help with the other guys. Cause as we've talked about with the rookies, you know, Otten is kind of tight end and Coquith is a whole nother different kind. He's probably predominantly going to stay in that blocking stance where Otten likes to go out for passes and stuff. He struggles a little bit on the strong side. Yeah. Uh, agreed. And just want to give a shout out here to Leo. Thank you so much for the $5 chat. And anyone that wants to uh, give us a super chat, we'll make sure that we get to your question or comment or concern, whatever it may be, as soon as we can. So, Leo, thank you again for the $5 super chat. He says, Kyle Rudolph has had abysmal QBs. Brady will make him great again. We already talked about this, just the disparaging differences in um, you know the quarterbacks that Rudolph has worked with and now working with Tom Brady. And we saw Brady working with multiple different people uh, in in minicamp. So, you know, he's getting some reps in with, with other players. It wasn't just Cam Braid out there. So we will see uh, how it goes there. I do want to transition a little bit to Kate Otten here. But before that, if we just look at the entire 
depth chart, Casey. Obviously, Camp Rate's number one. We don't really have to get too much into detail on that. I'm very curious whether, and it'll play itself out, going into camp, whether Rudolph will already be the number two tight end just for the fact that he's a veteran, he's been in this league. And I think it's even added on top of that because of the fact that Kate Auden is coming back from that ankle injury and hasn't participated at all. Again, right. the Bucs understood this when they drafted him, that he was you know, rehabbing from that injury. Yeah. But it seems a little crazy to – I shouldn't say crazy, but it would seem a little odd if you're going to have a rookie tight end that hasn't practiced at all in rookie minicamp, in OTAs and Bucs minicamp, to all of a sudden come in and be the number two tight end. And especially because, you know, he was a middle-round, late-round pick. He wasn't right. – if he was a first-round pick, sure, I get it. I understand the talent there, but – I, I, he wasn't even he, – he was a later round pick, so I don't think that's really going to be the situation. I'm just curious what you think about it too. Yeah, I think you I think you laid it out well. I mean, the thing – the bottom line is he hasn't participated in anything. He was a fourth-round pick, and he's coming off of an ankle injury that they have to assess and see, you know, where his, where his progress is going to be throughout training camp. So I think training mm-hmm. camp for Otten is going to be, you know, progression – what does he look like? How does he start getting established? Now he can actually follow through on the things that he's reading in a playbook and they have to measure that. That's going to take some time. I think Absolutely. it would be pretty insane <laughs> to have him come in at, you know, tight end number two versus a seasoned veteran who, if there's translatable things in the playbook from the Bucks to the systems that he's been a part of, he's going to be able to execute a lot faster than somebody who's playing catch up and now putting the physicality to what he's been reading, hopefully studying over the last few months. Um, I will say that in terms of what he did over at Washington, um, his production, he comes from a huge football family, um, uncles, dads, people who have been really, you know, embedded in in the football culture and played, you know, very well. Those guys kind of have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I'm not going to lie. So do I have hope? And of course, as always, high expectations for Kate Otten. Absolutely. Um, He's supposed to be, you know, very very savvy when it comes to his football IQ. He's supposed to be a smart route runner. He has a lot of positives stacked under his belt. So training camp is going to be a big tell in terms of, you know, is he really as good as everybody was hoping? Cause they were also saying it was a bit of a steal to grab him in round four. So I think he's coming in with a decent amount of pressure on his shoulders, but I don't see him coming in at tight end position too. I think it, the, it, it's an easy handoff to the vet while he develops, while he gets his feet underneath him. And while he has that time to be assessed coming off of that injury. Yeah, uh, really good points there. I, I, I think Otten, I, for, in my opinion, I think Otten has the potential to eventually be the number two. And maybe in a season or two from now, the, the number one tight end. It's just a matter of you have to get on the field. I, I did want to get to some uh, comments here from the fans. Pat Riley said, Rudolph has limited value at his current age. Hopefully he will play smart, if not fast. Yeah, they always say play smarter, not harder. And I think he'll be on a he'll be on a on a pitch count as well. It's not like he's going to be playing all the time. Uh Tony says Brait could be phased out if Otten develops. I don't think he'll be phased out this season, but I think in a year from now, he could end up being the number two type of uh tight end, kind of what I was saying with my with my last comment. Callie Bucks says, I don't see Otten stepping up his rookie season. 
remains to be seen. First thing, you have to get on the field. But right. you do make some very uh, compelling cases, too, with, um, you know, how much is he going to be lining up on the line of scrimmage? How much will he actually be lining up outside? And not as a wide receiver, but we have seen tight ends line up a little bit outside. Again, it just for me, it just goes back to the amount of usage. As you're talking about with Rudolph, and I know we want to transition to to Otten here, but you know, you have Mike and Chris, and you have Russell Gage. You have some of these great, great, you know, receivers that are some of the best in the league. How much are you really going to need a receiving tight end? I just don't see it as much as you know other teams. They don't have to rely on their tight end to get open. They just need to make sure that they block. Like, I'd almost rather have a tight end than whether that's Rudolph or whoever. I'd rather have a tight end helping out, like, with pass blocking. Not that Tristan Warps and Donovan Smith really need it that much, but just to give Brady a little bit more protection, Mm -hmm. I have no doubts about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Russell Gage getting open. It's just a matter of keeping Brady protected. So, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth with this tight end position and what's going to go on there. Yeah, there really are a lot of question marks in the air when it comes to it. I will say this, (laughs) everyone in the chat who's kind of going nuts about the fact that, you know, Kyle Rudolph is quote unquote too old and walked up. He's a year younger than Gronk. So as we previously previously mentioned in um, the podcast earlier, you know, Gronk has overcome a lot of injuries. Uh, He's put his body through so much. But on top of it, Gronk also had one of the greatest quarterbacks as his quarterback for his entire career. So while, you know, yes, Kyle Rudolph isn't the most stellar tight end, if you look at an average or, you know, a little above average tight end, not Gronk, but, you know, somebody a notch or two Gronk, Kyle Rudolph can compete, and he's 32 years old. He's going to be 33 in November. He's not over the hill. We have a 45-year-old coming up you know, 45-year-old mm-hmm. birthday coming up for a quarterback. So it it's really going to come down to the fact of where his health is at. Um, athletes are actually expected to have a little bit more longevity these, these days because science and, and the medical field and everything has changed. So if Rudolph is taking care of his body and he can get acclimated in this system, he really can be beneficial in many ways, starting with blocking, starting with the red zone and kind of being more of an opportunity in the middle of the field. Like they were using Gronk in those tight positions, you know, being that last minute go-to guy, if all of your wide receivers are locked in and the run game's just not panning out that day. He is a quality option for the price, for the size and for what the bucks need right here, right now. The other thing that popped up besides everybody thinking that Kyle Rudolph's like this 57 year old tight end coming out of retirement is I don't think Otten can be a factor this season. Um, I think it's a great training ground for him, but we have seen within the Buck system that sometimes that rookie number gets called when you least expect it, and there's an expectation there. And the rookies that have showed up for Buck training camp that have been a part of this Bucks roster for the last two, three years, they've been quality rookies. They have ended up being, you know, nice surprises. So does Kadon have an ability to be a nice surprise? I think so. And I wasn't even a fan of him being drafted. I, I didn't even really, yeah. why, uh, why weren't you a fan? Well, I was, I was more on the McBride train, you know? Oh yeah. I love Trey McBride. I thought he was <laughs> great, but he was already off the board by then. I hear you though. Yeah. The Bucks, it, you know, it, it's curious too, because if, 
the Bucks knew that Gronk was going to be totally retired, I wonder, oh man, this is a butterfly effect type of thing, but I wonder if they knew that Gronk wasn't going to be back, would they have pursued a tight end a little bit earlier, like when Trey McBride Mm. went? We'll never know, and there's no reason to really um, dwell (laughs) on it because the Bucks are still have a very stacked roster. Food for thought. Yes, food for thought. Great point. And Kate Otten, he could end up being like an absolute steal, an absolute gem. I mean, not many people are too aware of him right now, again, because of the ankle injury. And one more time, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times uh, had reported earlier today that he that Kate Otten has been clear to participate in training camp. So we will see him on Wednesday. But because not as many people know him, um, it would not be a bad idea to draft him in your underdog fantasy draft. Of course, you got Best Ball Mania 3 still going on, which is one of the funnest things that you can get involved in. There's $10 million in prizes, people. You don't even have to come in first place. You can still pick up that money. Uh, their Best Ball 3 tournament, $10 million. And the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog Fantasy it gives you your best score each week of the season, and the highest score at the end of the year wins. And the earlier you draft, the better, because you can pick up the best-kept secrets. Maybe that is Otten. You know, later in August, or yeah, later in August, and before the season starts, all those secrets are out. Because you see everyone performing, so start picking them now. I also want to tell you about the Pick'em script itself, uh, the Pick'em tournaments that they got going on. Um, you just pick an over and under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Uh, they keep it super simple at Underdog Fantasy with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. You can do that with football right around the corner. You can do that with baseball, which I believe picks up today. Um, they just had the all-star game the other day where Shane McClanahan was the starter for the American League team. Uh, Underdog also has a lot of other cool things going on. You can get in the Puppy 2, which is a tournament-style event uh, for fantasy football. It's $5 to enter, and first place gets $75,000. There's $500,000 in total prizes so a lot of money to go out there and the cool thing like i said it's a it's a tournament style so you got to get through the first bracket to get to the next bracket and there's four brackets in total and, and the winner gets that 75k another fun part of it is uh you could choose whether to do a fast draft or a slow draft if you just want to be like all right i want my players i want them now bam get a part of that fast draft if you want a slow draft you want to look up some last second stats see who their opponents are, see what the defenses that they're playing against, how good they are. Use the slow draft. Take your time. That's all good. They also have the Pup Cup, which is a golf tournament that uh, will end on August 8th. So make sure you sign up for that. They have a PGA draft tournament for the FedEx Cup, a very fun event towards the end of the year. That's another $5 entry and $100,000 in total prizes. That's a three-tournament three-round tournament as well. So, again, go to Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code Pewter. You could be winning money left and right. Um, Just depends on what tournament you want to do. And Pewter Report will have our own little uh, leagues and groups on Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code Pewter. Win some cold, hard cash. I think we could Mm -hmm. all use it unless you're a pro athlete. I mean, who doesn't (laughs) want to win money? It's awesome. (laughs) I would like to win some money. I am just terrified. But I'm feeling lucky. 
<laughs> if only it was St. Patty's Day, which St. Patty's Day, great day in general. Um, everyone's Irish on St. Patty's Day. And it was also the day that Tom Brady signed his contract with the Bucks. So <laughs> even more meaningful in Tampa. Everybody's than, Irish. I love yeah, that. It is. My dad would be so upset to hear that. Why? Royally offended. Because oh. as a descendant of someone from Northern Ireland, everybody is not Irish. Mm. Well, my grandma was born in Ireland. So, uh, you know, I'll get her opinion on that, too. I'll get back to you when we're on the show again next time. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the tight end position. We obviously <laughs> talked a lot about Kyle Rudolph. Um, we talked a lot about uh, Kate Otten. There's other players in the tight end room. Cam Brate, as we mentioned, the other rookie, Coke Keith. And, of course, Cody McElroy, who's been on the team for a couple of seasons now, has played in less than, like, five games. I can count it on my hand. Yeah, the amount like of games that he's really, really played in. Um, obviously, it's going to be a competition for how many make the 53-man roster. Will the Bucks keep three? Will they keep four? Um, Keith, I would imagine, if he doesn't make the 53-man roster, will at least – be on the practice squad, but McElroy yeah. is a guy that's been around. He's had some flashes, not necessarily in game, but in training camp. Yeah. I'm just wondering the outlook of this team, whether or not they would keep three or four tight ends. Cause I don't know Keith as much as we all enjoy him already for the type of looks that he has, the chief <laughs> Keith nickname, the people can go, Keith, you know, if, if he <laughs> makes a play, if he were to go on the practice squad, I don't, necessarily see him as a guy that like another team would pluck him off the practice squad and bring him up to their roster but it will be interesting to see how how that all plays out and obviously we have a whole month of training camp to to figure that out but at the end of the day it should be should be as you said an exciting uh event and competition between tight ends three four and five i would say Oh, absolutely. Well, the brand opportunity that came to with Keith, Co-Keith, um, I definitely see him more as a practice squad guy in the meantime because they're, they're clearly not looking for a predominant blocker, and he still obviously as a rookie needs to see how you know he translates to that NFL speed. Um, the the other guy, I he's just very underwhelming for me. <laughs> And when you look at the Bucks system, it really comes down to the fact that they're not a tight end heavy system. So they don't yeah. really need to, you know, try to utilize four tight ends unless somebody's health is in question. And regardless of everybody's opinions, I think the reality of the Kyle Rudolph versus Cameron Brake discussion is the fact that Kyle Rudolph has the ability to catch as well as block where Cameron Brate is often referred to as a receiving tight end. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Rudolph ends up beating Braid out for that tight end one position just because of the system that also all ties into the fact that we have discussed another thing at nauseum. The Bucks want to run the ball more this season. Yep. So Who's going to be the better fit for that opportunity to actually make that pan out so that when they run the ball on first downs 10,000 times, it could be more successful than nauseating. Um, so it really just comes down to the fact that I think, and we trust Jason Light, we trust this coaching staff. I think it just, 
it was more appealing in, in that aspect. So I could see them probably having three tight ends on the roster, uh, Rudolph Braid, and then, you know, the guy who just pops in whenever somebody's extremely hurt and yeah. moving on from there. Now, if they ran a lot more 12 personnel, like I've been begging for, yeah. it would be a whole different conversation. Now, I'm fine with the Bucks running the ball. My issue is the Bucks were extremely predictable running the ball, where it would be first down. And they would just run it essentially like up the middle or in between the guard and the tackle. One of the most interesting game really was, you know, when they started to mix it up a little bit and start running sweeps. And they did that towards the end of the year, you know, against Carolina. It was more of a blowout game. But hey, Scotty Miller got an end. Love the sweeps. Yeah, I don't I don't mind if the Bucs want to run the ball more. I think it could actually it would behoove the Bucs to do so, especially with Mm -hmm. Brady. Not that Brady has lost a step, but the less that he has to pass the ball, the more that you know he's going to be healthy. And that's less of a, a risk there. So I think it's more of just the like the diversity of running the ball, not just the variety of running it too, not just going, you know, right up the middle. But let me ask you, because uh, I, I asked Scott this the other day, and Scott's a little more old school. And I agree. I kind of take his side more of it than let's start with, our former colleague that we miss very much, John Ledyard and uh, Paul Atwell, who will be on for the Peter game day shows. They hate, they hate running the ball. They, if they could have it their way, they would pass it a hundred times and not have to run the ball unless they're taking a knee at the end of the game. Right. Scott isn't the type of person that's like, no, you have to run it like all the time. We're going to run the ball and play defense and that's it. Like we understand it's, it's um, you know, it's a passing league now, just the way that NFL is today. I still think there is room to run the ball in today's NFL. It's just you have to do it effectively. It doesn't have to be 50-50. It's probably going to be 70-30. But when you do run the ball, damn it, make it good and make it creative. Don't just keep getting predictable because that was a little bit of an issue. As great as the Bucks' offense was, and they do a lot of great things, it was predictability the whole was some of it, in my opinion. Yeah. I I mean, to me, it was like the whole issue. If we – if you guys know I stress about gambling, but if I wanted to make a bet on something and feel good about it, it would be when the Bucks were going to run the ball and how often. So yeah. the predictability worked against them tremendously. Um, this is a hard, this is a, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on this one. No offense, JC, but I'm pulling a JC. I can really talk to both sides of this, running the ball and having an effective defense versus, you know, throwing the ball. It kind of comes down to an entertainment thing, though. You know, what is more entertaining sometimes? We don't really have running backs that are all that as strong as they used to be. Also, you know, back in the day, you had running backs and then you had fullbacks. You had these just big guys that could just bear down and, like, bullet through people. And it's not as cute today, which if you see somebody passing the ball and it's, you know, this massive throw over 20 yards just looks good good it electrifies the stadium it's it's kind of an entertainment thing in my perspective um so if i had to go with what feels more entertaining what's more inviting what i'd like to see more of it's got to be the passing game but i do i do feel like there needs to be more of a run game i agree with you there is room for more running back action in this league for sure um but i just think it's it's prettier i think people just enjoy watching good passes go down and the other side of it people like to see big defensive plays 
So when the yeah. ball in the air, there's a lot of opportunity to to for defense to have that or for offense to embarrass them. So it's more of an entertainment for me versus why. Like an actual X's and O's philosophy yeah. thing. I'm, I'm talking in terms of like you're winning the Special. game. Just like, you know, I, and at the end of the day, if you win, like that's fun. So it doesn't really matter how you do it. But <laughs> I still think there has to be, you know, running. You have to have a good run game in this league to win. And that yeah. was an issue for the Bucs going up against the Rams. You know, they, they didn't run the ball well. Um, obviously, another big storyline of this training camp is Leonard Fournette and the the weight saga, I guess. We all don't uh, leave Lenny alone. <laughs> well, listen, there are some very funny comments right now that I don't necessarily – I think they're funny, but what I want to say is I'm not worried about Leonard Fournette going into training camp. We spoke to Donovan Smith, and he's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, he's working out right now. Leonard Fournette has posted videos, but, you know, you see stuff like Lunchables Lenny, Buffet Line Lenny, uh, going on our St. Patrick's Day, plenty of Lenny. Like, (laughs) listen, be nice to Lenny. There's another one. I, I won't put it in there, but Pat Riley, you had another good one. Be nice to Lenny, all right? Because Riley's on fire. Lenny's won a Super Bowl for you guys. He's done a lot of great things for this team. He really stepped it up, especially when Chris Godwin ha- went injured or got injured. And, you know, it was Leonard Fournette making all those receptions, doing big things for the Bucs, playing injured. Let's let's remember, like, Leonard Fournette was pretty injured going to the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, he scored that touchdown to tie it up against the Rams. So be nice to Leonard Fournette. He's done a lot of great Thanks. things for the Bucs. He doesn't deserve the, this criticism that's going on there. But Just the a little of- perspective for somebody who comes from a fitness background yeah. is that Lenny did put on a decent amount of weight last year heading into last season, number one, while he was trying to do negotiations as well. And we're talking about a guy that's not, you know, an idiot here. But there is this thing, guys, called bulking and cutting. There are yeah. certain timelines with it. So if you look at his workout videos and, and the plates that he has on it and the method to the mat behind it, if he bulked up to a 260 and is trying to cut down to 245, he's going to be a really strong 245. Um, he's never the fastest guy in the game, but if he has a little bit more strength to him and a little bit more grit on the field, that might be the angle of play that he's he that's his goal this year. So bulking and cutting is a thing. Um, depending on on what your goal is and and what you're up to, so the plates that he's moving at the size that he's at, you can definitely see that he's got a plan. I hope, and he's alluded to this plan multiple times with his uh, one line tweets that we all yeah. love to see. So y'all leave Lenny alone. Um, I, I, I'm sure yeah. he wouldn't jeopardize a three year contract. You a, know a, exactly, exactly. At the end of the day, like funny is funny. So if you it make is. a good comment, like I'll I'll give you a tip of the cap. All I'm saying is Leonard Fournette has earned the benefit of the doubt, where we should trust him to you know go and get in shape for for training camp. I really I guarantee think you this is a bulking cut. Yeah, I guarantee after maybe not the first day, but the first couple of practices. This will be a non-story. I'd be like, all right, like he looks good again. <laughs> you know, he's fine. Like if Leonard Fournette rushes 80 yards and scores a touchdown on the first day of practice, or you know, takes a swing pass or or takes a screen and jukes defenders and everything like that. The first couple of practices, they're not in in shoulder pads and everything like yeah. that. 
But if he makes plays and looks athletic and everything like that, this won't really be an issue at all. Either, uh, you know? I'm sorry? I said, and not completely gassed either, because typically when people see weight gain, they're like, oh my gosh, they're they're not going to keep up here. But again, right. depending on the strategy, if there was strategy behind the weight gain, his lung capacity is going to be fine. You know, he's just got to shred up. Want to give a shout out to Matthew. Great name, dude. Love it. Uh, thank you for the $5 super chat, Matthew. He said, Vikes QBs, Brett Favre, Christian Ponder, with two, I guess Ponder started twice or two separate uh, occasions as being the starter. <laughs> Matt Castle, Teddy Bridgewater, twice. Uh, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, his first two years there. Give him a break and see. Wait, what? Was that the case in his rookie year? Or yeah. his first two years? All of those different quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah that's it was, it. he had like a carousel of quarterbacks. It was a hot mess. Damn, I did not realize. I mean, he's been in the league for a little while now, but I did not realize, like, yeah, Carousel with a yeah. capital C, Carousel. <laughs> like, damn, that is that is pretty far out there. In logistically, terms of- you have to remember, like, there's a there's a, there's a um, a learning curve here with the chemistry that a, that a guy needs to build with his quarterback. So, who yeah. knows what what that chemistry what that learning curve with was with some of these guys like give me look at the names you're reading here i know bradford yeah what is bradford doing these days no um collecting his money i mean he got a he got that he got the last i think one of the last big like rookie contracts remember in the nfl the years ago first round picks would get these insane amount of money before they even before they even did anything in the nfl and then you would get guys that unfortunately would be busts and then the nfl and you know everyone those that makes those decisions were like okay uh maybe we we shouldn't give these unproven players like all this guaranteed money and these huge contracts that not every single you know person is going to live up to the other side of the coin, though, and again, thank you, Matthew, for the uh, for the five dollars super chat. Honestly, when I see the name Matthew, and that's my name too, but one that's of the other first things I think about is one Matthew McConaughey, and two, I think of the Eminem song "Stand." When he's like, "You could have signed an autograph for my brother Matt. You could have signed an autograph for Matthew. That's my little brother, man. He's only six <laughs> years old. He waited blistering cold for you for four hours, and you just said no." Anyway, I just anytime I see that, like on print. I think of it. It has nothing to do with this conversation. We should but. have you drop a bar at the end of every podcast. I feel like I feel really confident in what you could do with the podcast title, subject, <laughs> and the closeout. I, I honestly, it would be fun a couple of times, and then I'd just be like, uh, "Like, I can't. I, I don't. I don't have anything to write about today." Or no do bars whatever. today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, I do think he, he clearly the list here is pretty wild. But um, that was also in 2011 and 2012. So <laughs> we're not getting that type of Kyle Rudolph, which I think has to be taken into account. Like, I don't really care what Kyle Rudolph did in 2014. It doesn't really matter to, you know, 2022. It's not the same type of tight end at all. It's kind of like when the Bucks got Le'Veon Bell, you know? It'd be silly at the time if people were like, oh, he, uh, 
yeah, he, you know, he's the guy that was the all pro <laughs> player. Like he's clearly a different player. Yeah. They get older and things like that happen. It's just not the same. But um, if I, if it were yeah. me and I was coming into a new team coming off of a slumpy year and there's a 45 year old guy on the roster, I would, I would live in the gym and yeah. in the playbook room. And in the, like, I just, the, a 45 year old can't be like healthier than me. <laughs> I know That's, that sounds so know, rude. No, 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 you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you why, because uh, I like to play a couple of different sports and one of them is pickleball. And you know, if I'm, if I'm playing against someone that is like way older than me, I'm like, I can't lose this freaking guy. Are you kidding me? Or like, I'll play against my dad. I'm like, my dad's in his sixties. I should not be losing to this guy. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it, there is something about that. I was listening to a podcast before and um, Ray Romano was talking, the guy from everybody loves Raymond. And he was mm -hmm. saying he does the celebrity golf event. And his goal is like, he wants to beat some of the people, obviously, but he's like, his measuring stick essentially is Charles Barkley. For those that don't know, Charles Barkley Used to be a good golfer and then just completely lost it. Now he's a really bad golfer. So Ray Romano's goal every year in the celebrity tournament is to go and make sure he beats Charles Barkley because, like, you got to at least do that. Those yeah, are his words, not necessarily mine. So for it all, does, the, for all yeah, the players it, that are not who they used to be, all right, well, when you join Tom Brady's team, you better be better than who you, who you who used to be because he's 45 years old and – his health is just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I also think, though, Brady is the one exception to the rule. You know, there's always that exception Benjamin to the rule. Button. What Tom, yeah, he's been, he is Benjamin Button <laughs> in, in a sense. You know, he's had two, arguably three Hall of Fame careers all in one career. Like, if you go to his first couple of Super Bowls, then all the, my buddy was telling me about this because he's a big Patriots fan. He was like, if you take the first couple of years when he won three Super Bowls, the times he wasn't winning the Super Bowls is when he was winning the MVPs and everything. Then he went on the second dynasty with, uh, you know, with New England. And then he goes to the Bucks and he wins the Super Bowl. So he has multiple Hall of Fame careers all meshed into one career that spans however long it's been now, two decades, whatever it is. It's just it's honestly it's insane and it doesn't really make much mm -hmm. sense. And if you wanted to see what Tom Brady's going to do next and potentially bet on the amount of touchdowns he's going to have this season the best place to go and do that would be with none other than mybookie.ag as you see on the screen there they will give you a welcome bonus if you use the promo code pewter they will match it up to a thousand dollars they'll match it halfway and football's right around the corner but we still got sports going on right now as i said baseball's coming back there's a big UFC fight this Saturday. There's golf events going on. And, of course, with baseball, you know, the whole season can feel like a grind to watch. But you can put the excitement back in each and every game with my bookie. There's run lines, money lines, first inning, no runs, the best bet in all sports, and props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit up to 1000 Play with $500 free instantly. Just use that promo code pewter. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead, sign up today using promo code Pewter for your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Bet on the Mets. Bet on the Rays. They're pretty good when McClanahan's on the mound, and I think they've been playing better. So, yeah, go and bet on the Rays. I'm not sure if they play tonight. I know the Mets play tomorrow. 
But if the Rays play today, go and bet on the Rays. If they play tomorrow, bet on them then because hopefully they'll have a better second half. I will say the Rays have become the um, legal parent of the Red Sox, and that is good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. All the posts about the children eat free for, and everyone's like, I'm so sorry for the starving children in Boston. I'm like, this, I shouldn't laugh at this as hard as I'm laughing at it, but yeah, the, the rays are bet worthy. Have at it. Yeah. And listen, I'm not, I'm not dissing Boston here, but after all the titles that they won with the Patriots, the Red Sox have won a bunch, the Bruins won a couple years ago. They're done. I will never. Feel bad for a Boston fan when their team doesn't win the championship. I don't feel bad at all that the Warriors beat the Celtics and Steph Curry was clowning the uh, the Celtics last night at the ESPYs. By the way, the ESPYs, huge shout out to Dickie V, Dick Vitale. His, uh, he oh won the, the Jimmy V Award. Uh, I would recommend everyone that's watching and listening, uh, go, go and check it out. His story is incredible. He's obviously fighting through cancer. He's raised... Mm-hmm. $55 million for pediatric cancer, raised even more than that for the Jimmy V fund. Um, I would just, I, yeah, I would just, I would recommend checking it out. He had a great line at the end. I don't remember it verbatim, but it was a great line where he said, perseverance. You have perseverance, passion, and pride. Perseverance plus passion plus pride equals winning in life. And I think uh, if all of us try to live with the enthusiasm that Dickie V has, and he brings every single day to his life, um, I think you'll live a, a, a great life as well. So I just wanted to mention that real quick with Dickie oh, B because yeah. it, it really was inspirational. And um, and I, w- I, would rec- I, w- I would recommend that. I'm not sure if he still has cancer. I think he beat it, right? His cancer's in remission right now. Yeah, he's supposed to be in remission. He rang the bell about two months ago, three months yeah. ago. So yeah. it, was just, it was the fact of him getting his voice back and he had surgeries and stuff. But I mean, geez, if you think you're having issues and you listen to that it motivates you to prevail through those issues whatever it may be but brilliant yeah, speech absolutely yeah i'm glad so he, uh, my roommate walks in and she's like what's going on and i just point to the tv <laughs> yeah uh yeah i'm glad that he beat cancer and i'm i'm so glad that uh he got through his vocal cord injury because he sounded just like the dicky v before he got oh, sick and everything so much so. gusto so much gusto yeah. and it's just one of the voices that you can just listen to and yeah. Awesome baby with a capital A. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yes. it truly it truly is it truly is awesome, and I I totally mean that. So everyone, please go and, and check that out. Casey, as we wrap this up here, I saw some people in the comments talking about a uh, concern about a a third pass rusher. Obviously, the two edge rushers, Shaq Barrett mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Tryon Shoinka. They got Anthony Nelson there as the third string uh, pass uh-huh. rusher. I feel I'm pretty good about high. him as a backup. I don't know how you feel, but Anthony Nelson. As a third-string outside linebacker, I feel pretty good about. What say you? I was impressed with him last season. If you really think about it, the way that the chips unfold and when he had to step up and have that next-man-up mentality, um, he didn't crumble. He performed. And so I think that speaks high volumes, you know, nothing crazy, but that speaks high volumes on his end. So I'm actually quite enthusiastic about what Anthony Nelson can do this coming season. And – for a guy who's been underestimated and for people who thought that he was really never going to make a name for himself in the league and, and so on and so forth, to come off of a career-high season, to perform yeah. under the pressure that he was placed under, I think he's going to be a reliable guy. I think he's going to build off of last season. I think we're at least going to see some solid consistency from him, which is what 
you know, one of the, one of the simplest things you can ask for from a player. So I, I think Anthony Nelson will do great. I agree with you. I, I think um, he, he's coming off his career best in sacks. Um, he's in a contract year this year. So obviously that's motivating to a lot of players. I think it'll be the yes. same for him. If the Bucks want to bring in another veteran edge rusher, I'm fine with that. But I still think Nelson should be the three and the veteran edge rusher can, you know, still get some time. Yeah. It's just let Anthony Nelson do his thing because he was great in the role that he had. Let him play. And I think training camp will be a big, you know, big factor of that. The energy he brings to training camp will show, you know, what did he do in the offseason to build off momentum that he applied last season? And I think he's very capable. Absolutely. And because training camp is starting next week, we are changing around our uh, podcast schedule just a little bit. Don't worry. Every episode will still be at 4 o'clock, so uh, no worries there. But next week, we will be going Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Monday is uh, us just setting the table, talking about uh, the preview for training camp, biggest storylines, all the matchups, everything else in between there. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, training camp's there. We're going to be analyzing it, giving uh, giving our insight on everything that we saw. I also want to remind you guys to please like and subscribe. Helps us with our algorithm. Get those thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Helps <laughs> us get our numbers up. We know it's a numbers game. It's all about getting those numbies, as people say. So please do that. Help us out. If you like the show, give it a thumbs up and hit that subscribe button. And uh, Casey, thank you so much for joining the show today. Another please. fantastic job. So for Casey Hudson, I'm Matt Matera saying Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. We'll see you next week for a brand-new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.